You're listening to audio from Genesis Community Church. To find out more, visit us online at genesiscommunity.church. We are beginning the New Testament in our reading plan. Point this out every single week. Reading plan and memory verses are uh, on the connect table as you head out. And you go, where is that? As you head out, there's a little jaunt to your left where coffee is. There's a table. Reading plans and our memory passages are there. If you have been reading with us and you have been memorizing with us and kind of going through this together, um, if you're in one of our community groups that is discussing uh, the passages that that we are going through on a Sunday, then hopefully as you're getting into this, you're becoming more familiar with what you are seeing in the scriptures. The way I try to put it is like this, like um, the illustration I used recently, if you are trying to give somebody directions somewhere, you really just, the, the first time you tell them, you tell them only what they need to know. And the more you make the same route back and forth, you just go back and forth. Once you travel that enough, you know when to exit, you know where you go, you know what to do. Uh, but as you begin, you're just kind of going, like if I'm giving you directions to Baton Rouge, I'm like, get on I-10 East, stop in Baton Rouge. That's all I'm going to do. Like, that's it. If you want to come back, I-10 West, stop in Houston. That's, you know, there are, now if you want to know where to stop or where to get good Cajun food or whatever else, I can tell you all of those things. But the more you go back and forth, the more familiar it becomes. And very often as we are reading the Bible and reading it through, uh, we don't like to admit that we're unfamiliar with what might be within it, uh, but we are. It doesn't feel cool to be a Christian and be like, well, I don't really know what Malachi is about, right? So, so as we do it, we're just kind of going, hey, look at that, look at that, look at that. And as you continue to read through it and make passes through the scripture, you become that much more comfortable and things become more familiar. So that's what we're trying to do this entire year. Just finished up the Old Testament. Our memory verse for this past week was John 1, 1 and 2. Goes like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Wonder who that's about. It's our memory verse. We will be going to that passage this morning. Uh, I'll be reading it in the ESV, though the memory verse I just cited was in the CSV. Uh, Just John 1, 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The only difference is He was in the beginning with God or with God in the beginning. All things, all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Made, made, made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. It'd be John the Baptist, not John the writer of this gospel. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, And we have seen his glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him 
and cried out, this is he, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. It's talking about Jesus pre-existing. And from his, that would be uh, the word's fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Heavenly Father, as we read about the Word, the Son, Jesus, we would pray you'd open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to receive him and what this passage says about him. ask you to guide us through it. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. So, unfortunately... This passage wasn't in July, so we can't say it's like Christmas in July, but one of the only times that we read the Gospel of John is when we are at Christmas time, and we sing Christmas songs, and we go, yeah, John's great, John 1. It's like my favorite Christmas passage. I know most people go to Luke 1 and 2 because there's way more to go from there uh, because you have stories and births and angels and singing and songs and wise men, and John, uh, which is a little different than the other three Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are our four tellings of the story of Jesus. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke have a cool you know, theology term or a scholar term called the synoptic gospels, which means they generally present Jesus in the same way, uh, one view. Uh, and John kind of stands out because even if you read it, John's like, in the beginning was the word. Like no other gospel starts that way. The word was with God and the word was God. Mic drop, I'm out, believe in Jesus. Like that's kind of how John, every time, John, you read John, like that's essentially what he's doing, is you're like, believe in Jesus because he's God, believe in Jesus because he's God, look at this, 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 like that's all it is, time and time again, and so uh, we get to Christmas time, we like Christmas, my sister actually does a Christmas in July thing, so we were over at her house this week, and she like kicks the AC down to like below Texas temperatures, and you walk in freezing, and like she, all these people wear like Santa hats, and you know, Christmas sweaters, and whatever else over, and she makes comfort food. Which, I don't, for me, it doesn't have to be Christmas for me to eat comfort food. Uh, so I was like, oh, cool, so it's just dinner. Um, and they do that, and they watch Christmas movies and whatever else, because uh, that's what they do. There was no reading of John chapter 1, but we will take care of that for us. So it's Christmas almost in July, but Christmas in August. And we remember stories of Jesus' birth and what happened, but I think John 1, for where we have been for the past 30 Sundays to where we're getting now, John 1 is going to do for us some bridging of gaps. So we have seen time and time again, as we even began the first Sunday of the year in Genesis chapter 1, where God creates everything. And as God creates everything, we know we didn't get this, uh, didn't, didn't do a sermon on this, but Genesis chapter 3, just Genesis 1, 2, 3, the fall of man, not the season fall, but the actual we are no longer in the fellowship with God that we had once uh, had. And from that point on, the world exists differently. And you see time and time again, God moving towards his people and moving towards his creation in order to redeem and restore them. The bulk of what we read in the Old Testament was the work of God through the nation of Israel, which were God's, God's chosen people, not just to exist as like a holy huddle, but to display and reflect him to the world. God has always been ascending God. He's always been a seeking and saving God. That didn't change with Jesus, where he's like, oh, now I'm all about people coming to know me. Uh, because even if you read like the book of Jonah, Jonah was sent to Nineveh, which was a 
pagan nation. Like you go and you proclaim to them about me and how they could find life. And so even Jonah, an Old Testament prophet, was sent to a nation that was not Israel to go and proclaim the goodness of God. <clears throat> so God even says to uh, Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, I'm going to bless you. <clears throat> I'm going to make you great. You're going to be a nation. Those who bless you, I'll bless. Those who curse you, I'll curse. Through you all, the nations of the world will be blessed. This promise has existed. And we just kind of see cycle after cycle of the nation's inability to hold up, I'm going to say this you know, in air quotes for those of you who are just podcasting it, hold up their end of the bargain, which is they couldn't obey the Lord. They just couldn't do it. Time and time again, it's like, you go, hey, I just need you to do this thing. And they're like, okay, yeah, we're on it. We're gonna, we, we love you, God, we're there. And then like, you come back, you're like, it was really, all I needed you to do was like, take three steps forward. And like, I thought you wanted us to worship a false god. Sorry. Our bad, right? And so like time and time again, God continues to move. He restores, he cares. We ended last week with the nation kind of back from their exile in the 400s BC, back from their exile. And Malachi's like, God is faithful, but you guys have become unfaithful. God's gonna send a messenger to you and he's going to prepare you for me. And so that's what we get in John chapter one, uh, Christmas passage in August. What does the Gospel of John teach us about Jesus? Much more than this sermon will contain, let me just say that. So I want to start just with the first two verses, like our memory verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus, the Word. Which is, I mean, we say like word up, or that was a good word. I mean, it's always funny. You know, like only Christians say that was a good word. Um, and so, like, that was a good word, and so we have this way as Christians of saying, the, using the phrase word a lot, um, but John 1, he wins for how he talks about the word. In the beginning was the word, and your Bible translation likely has that as a capital W. Uh, capital W is it's trying to understand uh, what we mean when we say word, and there's a couple of things you need to know about this word. The word was with God, and the word was God, and then you go to verse two and you see he. He is the word, right? And now, now, now we've changed. We're talking about the word and now we're talking about him. He was in the beginning or he was with God in the beginning. So Jesus, the word, and we know that because we look at verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Okay, so we have this idea of the son of God or Jesus the word. Why call God the word? Like that's just an interesting thing because, it, because you, we may not know this, but like Christians have these phrases where we're like, hey, open your words up to blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, this isn't Jesus, right? This is a Bible. And so why do we call this the word? And why do we say good word or whatever else? Like, why do we do that when clearly John presents the son of God as the word, capital W, word? There's a reason for this is because Jesus is the one who reveals and speaks as God, both for God and as God. In the beginning, now where have you heard that phrase before? Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now why would Jesus be called the Word? I think if you look at the book of Hebrews, it's going to give you that idea. The first two verses of Hebrews say like this, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. 
But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he created the world. So long ago, God spoke to us through prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken, finally spoken, no need to speak any further for us through his Son. Jesus, the Word, the one who has spoken definitively on behalf of God. And you even see in the book of Hebrews this distinction between how the prophet speaks and how the son speaks. They don't speak in the same way. Prophets speak God's words. The word, Jesus, is God. There's a difference between those two things. So Jesus, the word, is for us the definitive one who speaks on behalf of God. There's nothing else that we need to know. And this is why I think it's always funny because we love secrets. Like, we love secrets. We love, like, oh, let me tell you the secret about, like, the best recipe for this. Or let me tell you the secret about how to be healthy forever. Or let me tell you the secret about this. And once we find secrets, we feel like we have the corner on the market on something. Like, I know the secret way to do whatever. And even Christians do this, right? Or people who claim to be Christians. They like to be like, oh, well, you think the Bible says this, but if you kind of Da Vinci code it and you put these things together and you highlight every fourth word, like, you're going to reveal something very new about God. And as we read the scriptures, they're rather clear. God's made himself known. You can know him. You don't have to like, well, if you hold it up to the light in a certain way and you squint your eyes, you turn your head, and then you're like, you know, you're like, what am I, this is hard. That's not what what he's trying to do. God has made himself clear, made himself known through the Son, the Word who speaks for God and is God. Jesus, the Word, is God. Now, Jesus the creator, Jesus the word who is God, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, this life is the light of man, that would be our next one. Light shines in darkness, the darkness is not overcome. But Jesus the creator, all things were made through him. Now here's the secret meaning of all. It means all. Like, that's it. It's not like a, you're not like a turn it sideways or whatever else. All things were made through him. Without him, not anything made that was made. In the made, 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 made. Jesus made everything. Now, almost any heresy that you hear will be a heresy about Jesus. Because we don't have a category for 100% God and 100% man. It's only hypothetical because in our brains... Things only exist in 100%. 200% is 100%. Like, it, it doesn't count. It's, it's theoretical. So when you have 100% God and 100% man, people try and make sense of it. And it's very hard to make sense of. So what you will start to see is people who will take a passage like John chapter 1, and they will try and, and, and somehow skew who the Son is or who the Word is in order to make it make sense. It's like, well, you can't have someone, something or someone other than God also being God, which was an interesting phrase. And that is very interesting wording if you go back to verse 2. Uh, I've shared this before, but one of the experts in, the, uh, in North America on the Trinity is Fred Sanders. If you ever uh, listen to Fred Sanders talk, he's brilliant and funny, which for me is, he has my heart. And so... Being with someone and being someone is a rather bizarre thing. 
right? Being with that person and being that person is a rather bizarre thing, and then also being the creator. That's a weird thing to hold on to. And Fred Sanders would put it this way. He's like, my name's Fred, my dad's name's Fred, my grandfather's name's Fred. Like, like, we're just a bunch of Freds. It's very weird to say, well, you could say, in one sense, Fred was with Fred. Fred was with Fred. It's all, he's like, it's very weird to also go, and Fred was Fred, right? Like, you're not. You're different than. And so people go, how can you be with God and be God? It doesn't make sense. So what they do is they put a little gap between verse 2 and verse 3. They go, yeah, I mean, the Son really did pre-exist anything created, but the Son was created just first. That way, God can be God, and the Son can be the Son. Son was made first, even like a half second after, before eternity becomes eternity. Like, there's God, there's the Son, now the Son can make everything and we can hold these worlds together. So if you read like in a Jehovah's Witness Bible, they will say the Word was with God and the Word was a God. They'll add that to it. Actually, add the word A, because they're trying to make sense of like the A God. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. But then like, but then like the word can still make things and make everything else. And it can still be true. Nothing else was made that was ever made. But look at what John is saying. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Well, if the word was created, wasn't the word made? Right? I mean, if you, if you take that and go, oh, no, it would be like, like, here's God, and then there's a kind of this word that shows up right after that, it's created. It's created. So John actually flies in the face of that and goes, you can't actually make everything and have nothing made without this person if this person was also created at some time after eternity. If you watch John Piper's look at the book, he has all these things where he kind of takes a Bible verse and pens all through it. Um, Sometimes, yeah, if I just drop John Piper, everyone's like, oh, cool, I'm in, Hans. So, I know how to get at your hearts. Yeah. Just go watch John Piper talk about it. I even quoted on your discussion guide so you could all watch it. Um, and you could see him make the same point, and then you'll believe it. It's like a parent, you know, like when the kids come home from youth group, and they're like, listen to what my youth pastor said. And you're like, I've been saying that for 15 years. But someone else had to say it, whom you respect more, and then you listen. So go listen to John Piper talk about it, and then you'll go, oh, I can't believe Hans didn't say that. Then you'll listen to the sermon, and you'll apologize to me later. <laughs> Jesus created everything, and Jesus was not created. Because God is not created. God creates. And there isn't really a category for as, as the phrase would be called progressive revelation, there isn't really a category for how the Trinity works, especially in the Old Testament, because God had not revealed himself as son and as spirit. Those categories didn't exist. Interestingly, all we have in the New Testament was written, as another Fred Sanders smart point, all we have in the New Testament was written after the son and the spirit were revealed. Okay, so there's like Old Testament, God, hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, the Son of God, the Spirit sent, and then the New Testament documents are written. So you never find uh, like a book that's like, I'm here to defend the Trinity because it was just ex in existence, right? They're talking about the thing that has been revealed. They're not trying to defend it. They're just saying, this is how it is. And so the Son was there, and the Son was God, and the Son was with God. They were both with and one from the very beginning. 
Everything that was made was made by the Son. This isn't a change in how creation happened. It's a revealing of how creation happened. Uh, A phrase that helps me in my kind of Trinity language is from the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. Like those kind of ideas of how this works. Comes from the Father, done by the, through the Son, empowered by the Spirit. So Jesus is there, the Son at creation, creating everything. He was not created. Now, verses 3, 4, and 5, or 4 and 5. In him, the Word was life, and this life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus, the light. Jesus, the light. Light and darkness is a theme throughout the Gospel of John. You'll even see things like in John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. So if things happen in the Gospel of John at night, he's kind of pulling on this, you're darkened in your understanding. And if it happens in light, right, like he's talking about, you're enlightened in your understanding. Well, Jesus is presented, the Son is presented as light, Light that shines in darkness, which says something about the way John understands the world in which we operate. We actually operate in a world that needs light. We don't operate in a world that needs darkness. That's already here. We operate in a world that needs light brought into it. That's why our Christmas hymn, Light and Life to All He Brings, right? This is, makes sense now, reading John. So Jesus... The Word, Jesus the Creator, Jesus the Light. What does light do? But it exposes what is true. Walking in a dark room, especially one you haven't been in before, you can't see your hand in front of your face, is a paralyzing thing. At least for me. Some of you are probably like, we'll just go through it, I'll skin my knees, it'll be awesome. I can't do it. So what do you do, right? Kind of stumbling very slowly, you know, where things are, even if you're familiar with the room and it's pitch black, I'm like, oh, the light switch is right, right here. Sorry, I thought I was over there. That is what living in a world without the revelation of God does for us is we think up is down and down is up and left is right and right is left and that's just how we operate. And so we don't really have a bearing. We all live this way. There's not somebody who's just kind of born and is like, oh, I got it. I know how everything works, but we like to claim it. So in this word was life, and this life was the light of man. Light shines in darkness. Darkness can't overcome it. Why? Well, look at verses 1, 2, 3. Because this light is from God. You can't overcome this light. These lights burn out, if not already having been burned out. But the light of God is totally different. In fact, if you read at the end of the story, the book of Revelation, there's this phrase, there was no night or day because God was their light. And you're like, well, hold on, how do you do that? I I don't know. I don't know how God is light for everything and brightens it all up so you can see what you need to see, but what I do know is that God is light. In him is no darkness at all. God is not a deceiver. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So, this is what I would say. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you think you have life figured out, you don't. If you're here today and you do know Jesus and you think you have life figured out, you also don't. Right? Like, like you also don't have it figured out. Why? 
because we have to filter life through the source of the light to have it make sense. And very often we see something, we're like, huh, I, I did not even think it would be that way. And so we, as followers of Jesus, are always kind of going back to the source of revelation, the scriptures, which reveal to us God, right? That's why they're important, not just because they're cool, because they reveal to us God, and that's who we need to know, and that's who we need to worship, and that's where salvation is found, and so we go back all the time to the source of light and go, can you make sense of this? And very often when it is revealed, we're like, I don't like the way that that sounds. I don't want that. Why? Because we know how to live in darkness. We've all been there. When something shows up and you're like, I know that's true, but I don't like knowing that that's true. And like roaches, we scatter. Like, where is the darkness? Because that's where we want to That's where we want to live. Because that's what we know. I want to just kind of operate in the way that I think is right, with the people I think are right, and everything that I do. I don't want to filter what I do and how I do it through the light of the Lord. But honestly, that's what we need. Because it is the kindest, most gracious, loving exposure of our hearts that we could ever have. Jesus, the Word who speaks in finality about God. Jesus, the creator who makes everything that we see. Jesus, the light that reveals all that exists. Jesus, the pronounced, the one who is spoken of, verses six through eight. There was a man sent from God. I love how much work John puts in to go, this guy wasn't the light. He wasn't the word. His name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He wasn't the light. Wasn't the light. He came to bear witness about the light. So there was a guy, it was a John, he came to bear witness about the light so people would believe he wasn't the, hey, just so you know, he wasn't the light. He just bore witness about the light. You're kind of like, hey, I get it, John. Like, you don't have to tell me. If I were John the Baptist, I would be going to John the Apostle up in heaven and being like, hey, bro, could you have given me a little credit, please? Like, oh, this guy, believe me, he was not the light. Like, you might think he was, but he wasn't. Man. Cut a dude some slack. He got beheaded for Jesus. But no, we want you to be clear. There was one who was pronounced, Jesus was pronounced, and there was one who was pronouncing John the Baptist. Why? Well, first, because God in Isaiah and in Malachi said there would be somebody coming who would pronounce and speak before me to prepare the hearts of people before me. So why? Because God said it. What's another reason? It's because very often, I was reading this in a commentary a couple weeks ago, we live in such darkness that we need to be told what the light is. And there's this guy, relative of actually Jesus, who's like, this guy, you need to listen to this guy. So he was pronounced and spoken of, which was a fulfillment of prophecy about what would happen when he came on the scene. And again, that theme that we have seen throughout all the Old Testament, God is faithful, God is faithful, he keeps his promises. There's John speaking about the light, though he was not the light, and this is what we are to do as well. Our whole job, and this is what the Holy Spirit does in us, is to kind of go, this is Jesus. Huh? What do you think? That's it. You don't have to defend Jesus. You don't have to be like, oh, well, what Jesus is really like. Like, like. He doesn't need you to go and try and tell people like, how to nuance it just so it feels good. You just present him. Let him do the rest. That's what John's doing. Hey, this guy, follow him. 
So Jesus was pronounced, which was a prophecy which was fulfilled in John the Baptist that he would come and point people to now what we would say is Jesus. Now, 9 through 13, I, I, I combine two into one because Jesus is both rejected and received. These are held together. Starts in verse 9. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He, this light, was in the world, and the world was made through him. So that's the first part of John chapter 1 we've already seen. Yet the world did not know him, did not perceive him, did not understand that he was the light. He came to his own, that would be the nation of Israel, his own people, they did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus rejected and received. Both of those things happen. You really have two responses to the revelation of Jesus. I'm in or I'm out. That's it. There's not like, I'm kind of in. If you're kind of in, you're out. Like, so there's no kind of in. Like, I like parts of Jesus. I don't like all of Jesus. Like, we could probably all say that honestly. Like, I wish Jesus wouldn't have said that. But he still said it. Like, you can't just kind of go, I'm just going to kind of go, right? Like, you can't do that. Jesus says some stuff, and we're going to get into a couple of those teachings where we're like, dang, Jesus, like, why did you have to go there? Like, you could have not said that, and I would have been fine. But no, he is light. And so he's going to show us how these things work themselves out how life works itself out. So he came to the world, but the world was in such darkness that they looked at him and they were like, who are you? And then to kind of bring the funnel more tightly, he came to his own, he came to the nation. Born as had been prophesied, had been spoken in ways that God had pronounced centuries before and the nation's like, nah, we don't need that. He was rejected by the world. He was rejected by the nation. He was rejected by us. We, I use this illustration a lot with us, but we always like to think that we would have done better. Oh, let me, you know, had I been there, I would have been Jesus' disciple who didn't abandon him. Like, no, you wouldn't. You would have been the first. Come on. I would have stood, the, stood my ground like Peter said he would. Lord, I will never forsake you. And Jesus is like, Peter, listen, before the end of the day, you're going to go ahead and do this. So let's just go ahead and like, let's cut the pleasantries. Because no one stands when they think they would. The world did not know him because they were in such darkness. The nation did not receive him because they were expecting something else and someone else. But it doesn't mean that he wasn't received to all who did receive him and who believed in his name or according to his name, he gave the, that's an important word, right to become what? Children of God. So we come to God on God's terms, not ours. It is through the receiving of the work of Jesus and we bring nothing to the table. So for all who did receive Bring him in. He gave 
God gave the right to become children of God, and this is a different type of child. This is someone who is born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh. That means we want, hey, let's have a kid, right? Like what you, what you do sometimes. Like we should, have, we should have a kid. Let's have another kid. Not blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of the will of God. So through receiving Jesus, this word, you have the life that he brings. That's what we see is Jesus, the life giver. Verses 12 and 13. To all who have faith, they have faith to become children of God. Is it that easy? Yes. Is, it, is God that loving? Yes. And what I mean by easy is I don't mean like, oh yeah, following Jesus is totes easy. Like you can just do it in your sleep. You can't. Because essentially, putting your faith in Jesus is saying, everything I knew about how life worked is wrong. Everything I knew about what was most important is wrong. Everything I thought mattered doesn't matter. And to say that is incredibly difficult. We have a hard time even trusting each other, right? Kind of going, oh yeah, yeah, like we, we are suspicious. We trust Google way more than we trust people. Some one of you is probably Googling that right now. Do we trust Google more? The other thing is this, and this corrects a way that I, I want to believe, but I know I shouldn't, right? That light-giving, life-giving idea <clears throat> is that we have this way of saying we are all God's children. But I think John 1 corrects that language for us. Right? John 1 would tell us this. We are all God's creation, but we become God's children through faith. Children get access to the Father. Children become brother or sister with Jesus, our eternal and forever brother. So John 1 shows us we are all God's creation, but only some are God's children. Because God's children is dependent upon faith the receiving of the word, which is hard because telling somebody they're God's child is a super comforting thing, unless you're lying. Then it's not that comforting. There are things you could say to anybody. God loves you. 100% of the time, that is true to anyone at any time. Jesus died for you. 100% of the time, any time, you can say that. Gave himself for you. You can have faith and life in Jesus. You have life in Jesus through faith, through believing in what he did. 100% of the time, that is true. There are absolutes. Everyone spends eternity with God? Not an absolute. Everyone in the family of God? Not an absolute. But we want to use that type of language. Why? And I think there's an interesting reason why. I think that we say those things to bring comfort, but also because there's some longing in us for eternal family. There's something. We're like, I don't want it just to be this and what I see and what I experience, but here's the beautiful thing that John 1 shows us. This isn't all there is. You you can join an eternal family through Jesus but it's on his terms and it's in his way. 
He did it. John 1 also shows us because the Word, the Son, Jesus, is the Creator, maybe He does know what's best. Whenever there's an issue, let's just say, for example, like you buy something and it doesn't work right, you probably go back to the source. Hey, this, you don't just go to your buddy and be like, this thing broke. Like, I don't know that. I don't even know what it is. Have you talked to the person who made it? You go back to the source. How come when our lives break, we don't go back to the source? How come when things don't make sense, we try to go to one another to make sense of it? They're just as broken, like newsflash. Go back to the source. And what do we read about the Word, the Son, Jesus, through this? Is that He came, gave Himself. All of God's gospels point to this. So that we could become children. That we might believe. We get these great statements in John, like, hey, I wrote this so you would believe. And you're like, okay, thanks. Sometimes you read something, you're like, why did you write this? John's like, I'm just going to try to make it really clear. I wrote this so that you would believe. Got it. So Jesus gives life. He is that loving. And through faith in him, that's it. The rest of our life from that point on is figuring out what in the world that means. That's it. Now, this is the other great thing. Jesus, verses 14 through 18, is the revealer. Talked about this already in the first paragraph, but the word became flesh and dwelt among us. If you have a little footnote in your Bibles, it might say tabernacled, which is kind of a cool thing. Like, made his tent. That's what that's meaning. Like, you know, set, set camp among us. And we've seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Another verse about how John came and said, this is the guy. But the word became flesh and dwelt among us, made himself real. Like, like, so this is really, when Jesus was on this earth, this is what you could say if you weren't walking in darkness. It's like, hey, do you want to find God? Like, take a left at that street. He's teaching. Like, over there. <laughs> I just go, what in the world? Would you like to find God, the creator of everything? He's around the corner. You can just follow him. Go, where does that happen? But we can say the same thing. Because we have the spirit. We represent this savior in this world. We can point to him and go, you want to find God? Here he is. The one who loved you and gave himself up for you. So he became flesh and dwelt among us. We could go for a 30-week series on the incarnation itself and the implications of the Incarnation, both for our faith and how we should live as those. Because this is what God did. God bridged the gap that we could never bridge so that we could find Him. Which teaches us an important kind of missional implication, which is people won't find God, God goes to them. God moves towards them. Even if you have to bridge the gap of however long, however many thousands of miles, so that somebody who knows the Lord can go to somebody who doesn't and say, Jesus is real, believe in him. Why do we have missionaries? Because Jesus showed us. Jesus showed us the depths to which one must go. Now, we can't do what Jesus did in order to show people who God is. To make access to God clear 
and evident. So we have seen his glory. Verse 16, from his fullness we have received grace upon grace, compounding grace from who he is. And then we see the difference between what was brought that we read over the past 30 weeks, almost, and what we have in Jesus. For the law was given through Moses. The old covenant and the old way of operating came through Moses. Here's what we have in Jesus. Grace and truth came through Jesus. The receiving of grace, the revelation of truth, came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Now, that might be funny wording there. No one's ever seen God, but Jesus is God, and Jesus has made him known. So no one has ever seen the Father. That's what he's trying to say. No one's ever seen the Father, but Jesus, God, who is at his side, has made him known. That's why Jesus would say phrases like this in the Gospels. Hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I only do what the Father says to do, because we're one. When he's talking to the Pharisees, and he uses this line, he's like, hey, before Abraham was, I am. Like, he's doing a little something sneaky there. Because when Moses is like, hey, who, who should I say sent me? He's like, hey, just tell him I am sent you, right? Like this is voice to Moses. Just tell him I am sent you. Uh, okay. Hey, I am sent me. When Jesus says to the Pharisees, before Abraham was, I am, he's like, that was me too. Why? Because he's the word. He's the speaker. <laughs> when you hear God speaking, you're hearing the son, the word of God speaking. Jesus has made God known to us. I, um, you guys know me, I, I like to give kind of tangible sermon applications, like if this is true, but all John wants you to do through the reading of the Gospel of John is to believe in Jesus. That's all he wants. So I think in fairness to John, the idea of any sermon in John is this is Jesus and we should believe him. The thing that you must and we must wrestle with is will I receive the things Jesus said or do I think that my way is better? Like that's the wrestling that you deal with, that I deal with. And it's the same. Now, let's think about the voice that came in Genesis chapter 3, the one that we'll read in the temptation of Jesus uh, next week. There is the serpent. There is Satan who comes around and goes, do you really think God is that good? Do you really think that that's how God speaks? And in both Genesis chapter 3 and what we'll read next week, Satan even takes the words of God and just gives him a little twist. That's it. It's a little twist. And says, well, but, but look at this. Ah, look at that. Now, luckily for us, Jesus is like, I'm not playing this game. Not playing this game. I know how this works because I kind of created the thing you're quoting. So Jesus wins. But for us, the contention is always, will we believe in Jesus and what he has revealed? Or will we in for whatever ridiculous fashion, believe that what we think is better. 
That's always a choice that we're making. Every single day. Does the Lord actually know what is best, or do I? So we should believe in Him. I can't predict what's going to happen tomorrow. And yet even from last Sunday to this Sunday, something that the Lord spoke would happen 400 years later happened. So if I can't predict tomorrow, no way I'm getting 400 years from now. No way I'm writing something out from eternity, and yet I will still so often, and you will still so often think that your way is better. Why? John shows us. We like the darkness. It's much easier to live in darkness because you have no way of defining things. You just kind of, ah, the light switch is over there. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. I can't see it. Neither can you. Well, it's great. That's where it is. And then the Lord shows up, and you're like, wait a minute. Like, this is like, it's one of those mirror rooms, and it's upside down, and it's left and right. This is not even what I thought it was supposed to be. Will we believe in Jesus, the Son? Or will we love darkness? And I want to pray, and I do pray for you guys. I pray for myself, and you can pray this for me, that we would receive the Son. For our salvation, once and for all, and that as we continue to walk with him, that we would let him define the terms of how life goes and not us. So pray with me. Father, we are imperfect. But we read something like John chapter 1 and we see how powerful and mighty and good and great and glorious the word, Jesus, the son, the revealer, the life giver, the creator, the light is. And I pray, God, by your spirit that we would follow you. That we would believe upon you. And say we do not have it together. God, be gracious with us and to us. And we know you have and we know you are and we know you will. So might that continue, Lord. And do not, do not let us leave today without believing in the name and the person and work of Jesus for our salvation. We pray in his name. Amen.